0: something you're holding back? Something that you need to turn over to him? Am just talking to myself, maybe it's mm-hmm. me too. Well, you're not <laughs> I see all these kids that, what made me think of it, i have seen these kids up here holding their hands up in the air. And that's a sign of I surrender. Yeah when I hold my hands in the air like this. Yes, the kids were all doing it, but Good I internally the adults but were you surrendering to God when we did this? Were you afraid to raise our hands up? Yeah, case was. That's awesome, buddy. <laughs> Tonight is a hard message for me to bring. This is a one of kind of a... Uh, it's a love message. It's out of love. <laughs> it's about reverence. The, the definition of reverence is a feeling of, uh, a feeling of profound awe as, and respect, often love. Are we reverencing God today? Are we reverence in God's house. That's where the word reverend comes from. anybody know that. Yes. Reverence, reverend You're supposed to reverence me, not because I'm anything, but it's because of the position that Jesus has, has chosen to put me in. The priest in the Old Testament, uh, the priest would tie a rope on the leg. Anyone read the Old Testament? Most some of you probably have. The priest in the Old Testament would tie a, leg, a rope around the leg. They had their tabernacle was a tent. So it doesn't matter that this building's not the biggest, fanciest church in town. But theirs was a tent. And they had an inner room inside this tent. And the priest would tie a, leg, uh, tie a rope on his leg. So if he wasn't living right with God, if he wasn't there in God's presence, he'd fall over dead. God yes. yeah, would so kill him mean, immediately. Right. And they'd put that rope on his legs so and drag him back out. And back in the, in the Old Testament, before they were living in grace, we're living in grace, but you think God hasn't changed the way he feels about his house? No. About how we're living and how we're treating things around here? Not to mention what God thinks about it, but what what uh, people see on the outside that are looking in at us. What visitors are thinking. In the Old Testament, before we're, li- we're living in grace now, so he doesn't kill us over dead when we come in here. He says the rent was broke when, when Jesus came up out of the grave. The, there was a rent there that kept... People from going into that inner, inner room And it also kept God from coming out Well it didn't keep God from coming out God could have came through it if he wanted to But it, it, it was two a way, two way street there though oh. it, it was holy inside there It was the holy of holies they said So uh, you would have had to come And say you were a sinner You would have had to come to a priest And you would have had to, to give an offering to him And pay him Give him a little extra to go in there And sacrifice this animal whatever it was In the holy of holies for you to be forgiven of your sins, right. Amen. and if the priest wasn't right, he'd go in and he'd kill over dead, drag him out by the road. Aren't you glad we're living in grace? Yes, yes. Amen. Exodus three five. I everybody stand up for one second. Take your shoes off. No, no I'm serious. <laughs> Unless you got some big old boots on or something, take your shoes off. I want to talk about something else? God or Moses was walking around out in the, out in the out around the uh Mount Sinai out in the woods, wherever he was at around Mount Sinai, and come across the bush that was on fire. Yeah. But the bush wasn't being consumed. Right. And, and God God's cried Moses out of there, he hollered his name out, and he said, yes, Lord. He stepped around the side, and he was looking to see what was going on. He was trying to figure out why this bush wasn't being consumed. Think about that. There's a bush burning out here. The leaves aren't burning off of it. The flowers still look good. It, it looks fresh. It's not, being, it's not being consumed. He couldn't figure this out. It wasn't grasping it. And Moses said, or God said, don't come any closer, Moses. Don't come any closer to this bush. And take your shoes off. You're standing on holy ground. Reverence this holy ground, he says to Moses. Have you ever felt God in this room right here? Yes. 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 Everyone in here has, right? That's why we keep coming back. Yes. We need right. to be reverence in this place. Amen. <laughs> I had to take your shoes off tonight to get this to stick in your head a little bit. We need to be reverence in this place, whether it's before church, after church, during church. A special event, a meeting. It's not just for me or for God. It is for God, but it's, you know, we have visitors coming in. We have different people that come in at different times. You can sit down. Uh, Moses, or God, God was just in a bush, though, so it doesn't have to be like the biggest, fanciest building in town, right? We, we have a nice building here. It's a pretty nice place. It may not be like the big church across the street or something, but God is here. That's what made this place, this bush, this ground out in the middle of the woods, that's what made it be holy. It's because God was there. Because that's where he came to visit Moses at. So he told him, take your shoes off. You're standing on holy ground. Uh, Before we get into this any further, I'd like to tell you all that I love you. And I'm proud of you. I'm proud of the way God's changing your lives. And this spoke to me also. This thing spoke to me. God stepped on my toes for this, and I know it's going to step on your toes a little bit. God put me in a position, though, that I have to do the correction here. He, he called me to a position of being a pastor. And this is one of the hardest things to do is, is to correct people when they're getting out of line. But if I don't do this, you know, I started thinking about the bishop. What if the bishop came in and saw, there's a few things that are going on here. We're going to get into it a little bit, but maybe, maybe I might. It's been a little spirit pleasing me yet. Uh, if the bishop comes in and sees some things that are happening here, I would have to answer for those things. That's the first place my mind went with this, right? I- I'm accountable to the bishop. Higher than that, I'm accountable to God. Yeah. Amen. Who's the bishop? I could answer a few questions with him and clear it up or whatever, but I'm accountable to God first and foremost. You're accountable to God. But if I don't come in, in correction, in love with you, as, as a pastor, I'm getting ahead of my notes, as a pastor, my job is to lead you is to feed you spiritual food, of course. I don't have to feed you dinner every night, thank God. <laughs> it's to feed you spiritual food. It's to protect you spiritually. I have to keep people from coming in. That's why we don't just take anybody up on the platform. Anybody who won't play instruments or whatever, or come in and speak or whatever, because I could work for five years here preaching the truth and the word, and someone could come in at one time, speaking up here period, and, and tear it all down. Yes, so, I have, And my job is to protect you, feed you, correct you when we need it, but it's only a correction that comes from God that's biblical. Um, so, just you know where I stand at. It's hard for me to deliver this tonight. Um, Ephesians four twenty nine and th- through thirty two. I'm going we'll to read now the Amplified. Uh, it says, "Let no foul or polluting language, nor evil word, nor unwholesome or worthless talk ever come out of your mouth." Set on your toes Yeah. Anybody? Yeah, Hit too. Ever come out of your mouth? But only such speech as is good and beneficial to the spiritual progress of others, as is fitting to the need and occasion, that in that it may be a blessing and give grace—grace grace in parentheses says God's favor—that's what grace means—to those who hear it. So we have to watch our tongues. We have to guard our tongues at all times. And this isn't to please me. It's to please God. He goes on later to say, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. What are people seeing when they come into this church? What are our visitors seeing when they come to this church? Not just in the church, but you're a temple of God now. You're saved, right? Everyone here is saved. you got the Spirit living inside of them. You're a temple of God. So that means you're a representative. You're an ambassador of Jesus when you go out in the world. People know you come down here to this church. You're an ambassador of this church and an ambassador of God when you go out in, in the public, though. So when we do things that are contradictory to this, to this verse right here, when we go out in the world, what are we doing? What are we saying? I can invite you to come into church, but if I make fun of someone else or speak illly of someone else or, or bicker or quarrel, we'll get into that a little bit later here, too. Uh, if, if I'm doing these other things, though, it's the same as if I just cracked a beer open and drank it. It means nothing to the people. You know, we think about people a lot like this because we're fleshly. We think about the people. What about God? What about when we stand in front of God on that great and terrible day? We need to guard our tongues. We need to watch our mouths at all times. And this is for all of us. Correction starts with me. It has to start with me. And not that I'm anything special. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying it starts in the pulpit because usually, wherever the pastor's at, the people in the church no one lives at a higher level reaching toward God than the pastor does in any church not this church I'm not saying that I'm better than anybody in here if you look at the church as a whole look at the church across the street look at Master Chapel no one tries to live at a higher level than Pastor Hendricks does they they all settle for whatever he thinks is alright or whatever he says is alright they usually take that thing to the next level if he thinks it's alright to go to a movie well they might slip in a rated R movie or, or however it be You get what I'm saying? Am I I right, church? So the pastor has to set, they have to set the tone for the whole thing. So that's why I'm saying it has to start with me. I have to watch my mouth better. I have to do these things better. And I'm I'm an example to you. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit, the next verse says. Anyone know what grieve means, the Holy Spirit? In parentheses here, the Holy Spirit of God. It says, do not offend or vex. Vex means by the small things, the little irritating things you might do to him. Kind of like a small child might irritate us sometimes. We don't want to do this to the Holy Spirit. Or sadden him, by whom ye are sealed, ye were sealed, marked and branded as God's own, secured for the day of redemption, of final rever- or final deliverance through Christ from evil and consequences of sin. What's he talking about here? He's talking about the end of times, right? The rapture. So we don't want to do this. but We were sealed with the Holy Spirit until that time when we when we get out of here and when sin has no more hold on us, has nothing else. It has no hold on us now because we're saved. You get what I'm saying though, right? On that final day. We don't want to offend the Holy Spirit. Anybody want to see the Spirit move in this church? Amen. Man, I mean, not just a little feeling, a little touchy-feely huh. stuff. Yeah. I'm Amen. talking about move in this yeah. church. Yes. People slave Amen. in the Spirit. People speaking in the tongue. Right. People miraculously healed. We've already seen this, right? Yeah. So if we're if we are offending or grieving the Holy Spirit, do you think this is going to happen? No. We have to take correction. You have, you should want correction as a, as a Christian. You should want correction. You should be constantly reaching for change. Yeah. Because we're not perfect, right? Yeah. How do we get perfect? We change. <laughs> we are being perfected. If we want to see these things happen in this church, we can't be grieving the Holy Spirit. We have to put a guard on our mouth. We have to be watching what we're doing. It's not just our mouth when we're down here praying. One thing I see happening in the church a lot is when we're down here praying or we're singing, there are people talking and, and things going on, and, and I'm not calling anybody out or anything, but do you think that's reverence, reverence in God's house? I mean, if someone's down here making a decision, sometimes it could be. You know what the most important part of the service is? Anybody? The altar call. The altar call is the most important part of the service. The other part's teaching and, and, and preaching It's getting God's word, it's getting God's truth out there. It's important. But the most important part of the service is the altar call at the end. People are making decisions, life or death decisions. This is for eternity. This is for real. It's for keeps. Some people might not come back into a church again. This may be the last time they get to hear this word. They may step out here and something happen to them. And I would hate for them to miss out on that because I'm... Talking or or doing whatever I'm doing that's distracting to them. Or causing them to feel like uh, they can't step out. Doing something that causes them to feel like they can't step out and come down to the altar to give their heart to God. We need to be supporting these people. You heard the first verse said only things that are good for building up the body. Basically what it said, and it says it says again in the scripture going to read here in a minute. We should only be saying things guarding our tongue. And only be saying things that are building up the church. Building up the body. What's the body? We're the body. We're the church. Not this building. You're the church, Greenwood. You're the church, Mom. We're the body. The body of Christ. And we all have to be one. Yeah. In yeah. one mind and one accord. If we're not in one mind and one accord on this, we're divided. And we, the things we want to see happen are not going to happen if we're divided. Right. We have to get in one mind and one accord. We have to right. accept correction. And we have to move toward these things. Um, let all bitterness, another thing on correction. Uh, I've been debating whether to say this or not, but I, I picked up a pack of cigarette butts out of the, out of the church yard on the parking lot. Well, me and a few other people have picked up over a pack of cigarette butts out in the yard. What do you think I was thinking about? I put them in a clear cup at first. I was going to bring them in and set them on the pulpit and see what anybody would think about it. What's the difference if it's sitting up here or if it's laying out in the yard when you walk past there? Or if people are, if you have to smoke, try to do it or if you need to smoke try, I, I used, first of all I'll tell you where I come from I used to be a heavy smoker I did it all the time I was really defensive about it when I met my wife I told her if you don't like it if you don't like the smell of it she's almost allergic to it if you don't like it then just get away from me." that's how defensive I was about it so I'm not trying to call anyone out here tonight or anything I'm just saying we have to reverence the house of God if people are walking up or they're leaving <laughs> and we're smoking right outside the door and we're throwing them on the ground what do they think about that? What do they think about that? What do they think that we're... Do, they, do you think they think that we're reverencing God, right? When they see that? So if you see those things laying around, if, if you need to smoke, go somewhere and try to do it discreetly. Don't do it right outside the door, please. And and if you see them on the ground or whatever, pick them up. Our, our kids picked them up. Kylie brought one to me. I heard and picked one up and threw it in the woods. They're seeing this, too. Our children. It's so okay, says our children are seeing this though in our church what what kind of example is that for them and, and I'm not trying to say this to call anybody or anything it's just where we're at and I, I know it may not be a sin even for some people I believe it's a sin for me to smoke because I was convicted of it now if God if the Bible says to him that knoweth good and doeth not to him it is sin so if you haven't been a of that still small voice hasn't told you to quit good for you but he told me to quit he told me I can't do it And and whether it's a sin or not, the world sees it as something that the church should be doing. We should be set apart. So if you would, just don't do it in front of the front door. (laughs) If you see him, pick him up, you know, nicely. Maybe say something to someone else if you see him do this. Um, I didn't want to say this tonight, but it's it's something I have to say. It's my job. If, If I don't do this and this church were to struggle or someone would not come to God because of these things their blood could be on my hands. That's, right. That's the position I'm in. Yep. The Bible says because I'm called to be a pastor, I'll be held to a higher standard. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I have to say this. I can't just let it go undone and then let it keep going and, and keep going on and going on down the road, and then, it, then it's a bigger deal down the road. Um, 31 says, Let all bitterness and indignation and wrath, and in parentheses it says, passion, rage, and bad temper, And resentment, it goes on to say, and in parentheses it says, anger, animosity, quarreling, brawling, clamor, and contention. Anybody know what those mean? And slander, in parentheses it says, evil speaking, abusive, or blasphemous language, be banished from you. What's that mean if we banish these things from us? We get rid of them completely. If something's banished, we don't allow it in the building anymore. We don't allow it in us anymore. We don't <laughs> allow these things in our life anymore. You know, the devil, he tricks us a lot. I'm going to get into this in just a second. <clears> oh, <throat> uh, where was that? at? Blasphemous language be banished from you. With all malice, anybody know what malice is? Spite or ill will. It's, it's something, it says spite or ill will of baseness of any kind. Malice is something, someone does something wrong with you, to you, and you say, well, the Bible says vengeance is mine. Say the Lord, get them, God, get him, Strike them down for this. that That's malice. You want something bad to happen to someone else. You have ill will towards someone else. You're not going to do it. I'm not going to do it myself, but I'm going to wish it on them. It says, let that be banned from you. Any kind of that be banned from you. Now, if we're doing that, if I'm wishing something bad on someone, and then I say, sister, would you like to come to church? What are you going to think about that? What's God think about that, more importantly? What's God think about that? And what are we doing? How are we how are we being a steward of his word? Uh, it goes on to say 32 says, and become useful and helpful. This definitely does Step on anybody's nose yet? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Good, I'm right. We're ready to be here, It did me for sure. <laughs> he got on to me and become useful and helpful and kind to one another. Like that, useful and helpful and kind to one another you think he just means a little bit of the time? I think he means all the time Always. useful and helpful and kind to one another tender hearted, compassionate, understanding loving hearted Well, we're getting deep here huh? think about the conversations you've had the last week do they fit in this? the things you've said in the last week about people the things we've done in the last week about for people do they fit into this? forgiving one another. It says in parentheses here, readily and freely forgiving one another. They don't have to come to us and beg. They don't have to even come to me and ask. I need to be forgiven before they get there. As soon as something happens, it's gone. It's walked out. It's under the bridge. Are we living that way, church? You know, if we're not living in these ways, <coughs> why would anyone want to come be a part of us? Really? How are we any different than they are? Than the and I'm not. How are we any different than the world is if we're not living in these ways? What 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 God's talking about here? He goes on to say, as God in Christ forgave you, and as in another scripture it says, if you don't forgive, you can't be forgiven. That's right. Would you want that to keep you from heaven? Do you want to go to hell over not being able to forgive? I don't. I had a, I, I've had talked about it here before. I had a big issue with forgiving someone. And our pastor preached about it last night. My pastor preached about it last night Mister Chapel. He said, if you have forgiven, you can't just say you forgive and then rehash it every time you see that person. Even if you're going over it in your head what they did to you, that's not true forgiveness. You need to get a hold of God and ask Him to help you forgive Or Maybe you, if you can't do it, I couldn't forgive the person who hurt me. Or the people who hurt me, I couldn't forgive them in my own heart. I couldn't do it. I couldn't bring myself to do that. I had to ask God. And God had to bring me to that point. But, you know, it's like we've preached before up here. What are you willing to do to get to that next step? As as a person, as an individual, what are you willing to do? Are you willing to accept correction? Are you willing to change? What are we willing to, to do to get to that next step as a church, as a body? As the body of Christ? It says Jesus is the head and we're the body what are you willing to do to get to that next step is it anything it takes Whatever it takes. that should be the answer whatever it takes Lord I'll do whatever it takes correct me if I'm wrong I'm wrong you're right God God's always right that should be our prayers if I'm wrong correct me I'll accept it I'll change it if we get some people get uh, offended by things like this and and you know if, if, if this offends you then your heart is not right that's just the truth of it. Your heart is not right if you get offended. You should be willing to accept correction. It's in God's word right here. It says it in God's word. And if God said it, you can take it to the bank. Amen. Uh, people, visitors draw conclusions of how we treat God's house or how we treat other people around us. If we're in here bringing drama in the church and bickering or whatever amongst each other, before church, after church, whatever, things like this are going on. Visitors see these things. God sees these things. It may cause the spirit not to move in our service. But visitors will draw conclusions on how we take care of our building. It's a humble type of building. It's not a big fancy building with a steeple on top. But it's clean. We keep the floors clean. We pick things up. We mow the yard. We shovel the drive, the sidewalk. Thanks for everyone who came out and did that today. I I had to work. I couldn't get out here today. But we take care of things like that. We make sure it's properly taken care of. We're working on painting. Visitors see these things. They see the, the physical things of the building. Right. The mechanical things of the building. They also see our hearts, our lives when they come in. People can see. People can see if you're genuine or not. Amen. Especially when you're out in the real world. What are you, what are you showing to your family? We have family that may never come into the church. Guess what? You're the one that needs to speak to them. Acts 1.8 says, You'll be my disciples. First here in Judea, then in Samaria, to the farthest place of the earth. That's you. And you. And you. And me. We have to spread this every day. We're the ones that need to be in this every day. Um, the devil, a lot of times we fall into these things again. We fall back into the same traps. We fall back into the same things again. Because the devil, anybody remember what the definition of the devil was from Sunday? Slander. Anyone take attention? Slander. slander a false accuser mm-hmm. he's a false accuser. See God's word says that when you get saved you're a changed man. Old things are passed away they're dead Yeah. So if I was if I was talking bad about people and I did these things and the things of the world I looked like the world before I was saved right, right. but once I got saved those things are dead amen and a new man rises up That's right Now the devil he doesn't want you to believe that. Let me tell you, God's word says he took your sin, he wadded it up, and he cast it as far as the east is from the west. You'll never see that sin again. You'll never see it again. God forgave you for it. You are forgiven. You are victorious. Amen. You are good enough. Yeah. You are good enough. That's what God's word says. But the devil, he wants to be a false accuser. He wants to keep. Reminding you of the things you were in the past. He doesn't want to let you forget about them. He wants to make you stumble and trip you up and keep your mouth moving the same way it was before. Keep your actions going the same way it was before. Keep the drama going in your life. That's what he wants to do. That's right. Are we going to let him do that to us? No. No, we can use God's word against him. We need yeah. the, the Bible says resist the devil actually in this, in this chapter right here. This is a really good chapter, y'all should read the whole thing, Ephesians 4, it's only 32 verses. It says, resist the devil, and he will flee. And let me tell you, he can move fast when he's fleeing away from God's word. He can get on down the road. Uh, change begins in the pulpit. I think I've kind of covered this a little bit already. It's up to me to start the change out, because I'm the example of the church. Not that I'm anything, but it's just because of God. Shows me, he called me to put me in a position. And then it moves on to the church. The one body. You're an example. You're an ambassador all the time. Every waking moment, you're an ambassador for God. You're an ambassador for this church. What are we doing with that? What's the world seeing? So through, if, if every pastor in the country, in the world, would get his heart right, and would start teaching sound doctrine and the truth, and the church would begin to change and live according to the truth and the sound doctrine, guess what would happen? I believe we would see the public change. We would see the world change. It's not going to come from the President of the United States. It's not going to come from government officials. It's not going to come from laws. It's going to come from God. It's the only way change in the world can come from. And I want to be a part of this. I would hope that you all would join with me in this one body and one mind and one accord and want to be a part of this thing. Uh, Ephesians 4 11, this talks a little bit about pastors uh, before this is talking about so let's lay a little groundwork for you before this is talking about Jesus and how he died, he went down to the lower parts of the earth it says, he went down into hell and he came back out with the captives that were in hell before, when he went down there and preached that revival, how many people do you think stayed? <laughs> I bet they all came following Jesus up out there it goes on to say, and it is he, they're talking about Jesus here, it is he who gifted some to be apostles. Anybody know what an apostle is? Someone who spreads the word of God. They spread the word of God. You're all called to be apostles. Everyone here is called to be an apostle. And some people say that the gifts of the Spirit and, and speaking in tongues and healings, divine healings and these things, therefore the apostles that, that walk with Jesus Christ. But the Bible, my Bible teaches me, greater are things that they will do who haven't seen me. He's talking about you. He's talking about me. We'll do greater things than those apostles will do, he says. If we believe, and if we step out in it, if we accept correction and we change things, when the Spirit speaks to us, we have to change these things and live up to them. Others to be prophets, anyone know what a prophet is? Prophesy. Come on, things you prophesy. Good answer. Prophets prophesy, they tell things way out in the future, some most times way out in the future, with in great detail, and they're accurate 100% of the time. That's what a prophet does. Um, others to be evangelists, everybody knows what evangelists is, right? They travel around telling, telling the good news, telling God's word, uh, and still others to be pastors and teachers. Anyone knows, you know, we were talking about a pastor, What's a teacher. You see how they're kind of grouped together? A pastor and a teacher, but they're plural. You know what that is? All pastors are teachers. All pastors are supposed to teach. But all teachers aren't pastors. All teachers aren't shepherds. You get this? Yes. Yeah. It goes on to say to equip the saints. How are you being equipped? Are you being equipped in this church? You're yeah. getting God's word. You're getting correction. You're getting you're getting the things you need, the truth. Equipping you with God's word, teaching you about God's word How to apply God's word to your life This is the equipment we're getting It's like when talk, I talked The other day about the military If, if you gave a civilian All the gear That an uh, infantry uh, Army man named, or marine corps guy needs a soldier And you didn't train him on it What would happen if he goes out here in the middle of a battle And tries to use that, he would get killed But you have to be equipped You have to be training those things it goes on to say, to do the work of the ministry. What's the ministry? Acts 1-8, right? Mm-hmm. Acts 1-8. We're going to spread his word everywhere we go. So you're being equipped to do this. And build up the body of the Messiah. That's us. The body of Christ. The body of Jesus. We are the body of Jesus. even the head. Am I boring y'all yet? No. I'm about done. <laughs> it goes on to say, there's another scripture that backs up the one earlier. And tell all... Of us are united in faith and in the full knowledge of, of God's Son, and until we attain mature adulthood and the full standard of development in the Messiah. What's he talking about there? Come on, saints. Full development. Huh? Full development. Full is development. We'll never be fully developed or being perfected. He's talking about the end. So when he puts these things in effect, he puts these apostles, prophets, uh, pastors, teachers, he puts all these things in effect to to listen to him and to bring the word until the end, right? Yeah. So we're God puts people under a pastor. God put me under Pastor Hendricks. He, he called me there. I knew that was the place I was supposed to be when I went there. Now, now, if you're called to be in this church, you say this is your church, I hear you say, that means that I'm your pastor. That means that no matter if someone, not just me, but if someone in the church says something to offend you, if things don't go your way, if if, no matter what happens here, if God called you to a body, you are a part of that body. You're the eye, the hand, the foot, the back. I don't know what you are, but you're one of these parts, God says. The Bible says this. So if you're one of these parts, just because you get offended or if you get hurt somewhere down the road, I, I hope this doesn't offend you tonight, but if something happens somewhere down the road that you don't like, someone comes in that you don't like, can't just up and leave this. This is your body. And until God calls you out of this, you're here. That's if you right. call this your church, if God called you here, God legitimately called you here, That's right. you're here. Until the very end, baby. That's why I'm here. Yeah. Unless God calls you out of here. That's the only way you're getting out of here. The only way I got out, and I didn't want out. We didn't want out at all. We got kicked out of the messenger chapel. Not by anyone else, but by God. God called us out of there. That's why we left our home church. And that's the only way you're to leave here, is when God, if, if, not when, if God calls you out, or when God calls you home. Those are the only two ways out from under your pastor. is the way it's supposed to be. Um, if we could, everyone come to the front tonight. Can we, can we make a circle again tonight, pray? Anybody get anything out of this tonight? Yeah. No? yeah.